0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today I'm talking to Aviva Pinto, who is a managing director at Wealthspire Advisors, a $20 billion registered national investment advisory firm. She's a certified divorce financial analyst and a certified divorce specialist. That is a mouthful, folks. How are you, Aviva? I am doing well, Rich. How are you? I'm great. It's so nice to have you on the show.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. Yeah, and it's a question I ask everyone on the front end, and it's so perfect with your background. It says, it "says love what you do, do what you love. Is that what it says? It's Yes,
1: it's what, do what, what you, you love, love, what you do.
0: Yeah, what, what you love, what you do. I love it. Um, is, how did your heart lead you into this particular kind of work?
1: So I have been in the business for you know, 25 plus years, and I found that um, what was going on was I was getting a lot of referrals from matrimonial attorneys and trust and estate attorneys that had people who were, um, you know, I just lost somebody in a relationship and I find found that the non moneyed spouse was the one who was always in the dark. So mm. have you has, have you Ah, I can't even speak today, as you have said on your podcasts in the past everybody falls into a role in a relationship. And sometimes, you know, you're the one that takes out the garbage or walks a dog or, you know, g- goes to carpool and the other person is dealing with the finances. And what I found that the non-moneyed spouse was usually left in a position of not knowing anything about their finances. Did they have a mortgage? Who knows? You know, how much is uh, is the investment portfolio worth? Where is the investment portfolio? What's it invested in? And so what I found is there's is a real gap in the market um, and the, primarily the person who is the non-moneyed spouse tends to be the women. And I found that there is a real lack of women in our business who can deal with other women and help them with their finances. And so I fell into this in a way, and it has brought me such joy to be able to help others and empower them and give them the knowledge that they need because there's not a lot of financial literacy taught out there anyway. And if you're not the one that's doing the bills and doing the investments, you're at a real loss and disadvantage.
0: It is actually insane how little financial literacy there is. Like in schools, there's almost none. Nothing. And actually, in a lot of schools, there is none. And it's the most core, most important skill that we can have is how much money is coming in, how much is going out, and where is it going, and where is it being kept, and what is it doing for us, if anything? Right, and why- Most of us are living on credit cards- and trying to figure out how to keep all the plates spinning with no real awareness of what the cost is.
1: Right, and you know, the other thing is, you know, I, I speak to kids who are just starting out and they're looking at you know, 40, 50 years of work and they don't save and they don't use their 401k and their, their idea is, oh, well, that's a long time off. So- know, I, could, it, I could
0: use that money much better now. I, I actually might even be familiar with that thought myself. <laughs>
1: you and i should talk
0: yeah there, there are many people in my generation who sunk that boat fortunately in this household we caught on albeit a little later but let's stick with the topic and this is a really important topic is financial awareness and even though statistically it tends to be women who uh, have less financial awareness of what's going on big picture with the money this applies to everyone and if i could just throw out some statistics before we get rolling on this Uh, there have been studies done that show that actually everybody thinks every in in all relationships each individual in the relationship thinks they understand what's going on with the money but deeper studies have shown that what is happening in fact is that one partner understands the household expenses and the other partner hopefully understands what's happening with future money with college money with retirement money and all that and there isn't a lot of speaking between the two of them. And so it's even if both people are managing some form of the money without communication, there's a lack of awareness. And I think it is so cool that there are folks like you who are stepping in and helping particularly women to be empowered and understand this.
1: Yeah. And the communication, as you said, is key because in any relationship, I mean, the You've said it before on your podcast. I mean, money is one of the biggest reasons why these marriages break apart. And a lot of times
0: of all couples fight about money
1: right and and a lot of times it comes down to either the financial infidelity like somebody's spending too much and the other person doesn't know about it or somebody's dissipating assets and the other person doesn't know about it or they're going bankrupt and it's you know nobody knows because there's debts from gambling or from addictions or other types of things and so communicating and keeping those lines of communication open and bringing the other person into meetings, especially, you know, with advisors, so that everybody knows they're all on the same page, and then Mm -hmm. teaching that to the next generation, that's how we're going to get out of this, you know, hole of uh, not knowing anything about uh, finances for future generations as well.
0: Wouldn't be bad for the national economy if we all saved more either, but that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, I've worked with a lot of individuals divorcing, who have guilt and shame over their lack of awareness. They feel like they should have known, or they're also furious. You know, They have guilt, shame, and anger and blame all wrapped in one package. Uh, so I'm curious, when you're working with an individual who's in that position, what are the first steps?
1: So the first step is to tell them that it's not their fault, that they don't know about it. I don't know how to fix a pipe in my house when it breaks. I call a plumber, right? So, and I don't know how to do a lot of things on my cell phone. I call my kids and tell me how to do this app or whatever it is. Not everybody is gonna be proficient in everything. And so the first thing is don't feel guilty. Don't feel shame. This wasn't something that you were either taught or you were involved with, or you were too busy doing a hundred other things in the marriage to be involved with this. Number two, this is why you're here with me and we are a team and we are going to work with your matrimonial attorney and your accountant and myself and we're going to pull all of this together and you're going to come out of this much stronger. And a lot of times I find that women will open up to me because they feel like I'm not going to be judging them. I can't do calculus very well. I can't you know, do a law brief, these people have, you know, advanced degrees, a lot of them, you know, they're doctors, Mm -hmm. they're lawyers, etc. It doesn't mean that they are not smart. It just means they haven't focused on doing this. If you're baking a cake for the first time, and you have no idea what you're doing, doesn't mean you can never learn how to bake a cake, you just have to be shown. So those are the steps I take. Number one, don't feel guilty, don't feel angry, let's just figure out where we are, where we're going, and how we're going to get there.
0: And I think the other thing to remember is that not all of us have mad math skills. You know, mm-hmm. We all have strengths and weaknesses, and it might be that we just don't have a strength in this area. But that doesn't—that's exactly why we need someone like Aviva in our life. You know, someone who does have that strength. You know, my daughter um, was a math major in high school, and she went to college and. I thought, what the hell is she going to do with this? And I didn't, like it's way her stuff. She writes algorithms. She got a job writing algorithms for insurance companies. Like I didn't even know you could do that. But I don't have those skills. I don't have those abilities. If I needed something like that, I need to become some, someone who is an expert in that area. And that's exactly why we have folks like you.
1: Right. So a certified divorce financial analyst, what we do is we take a look at the numbers, but we also are trained in what the local laws are. So each state has very different laws as to how to divide assets and things like that. Mm -hmm. I rely on the matrimonial attorneys that are part of the team that I'm working with when I'm working with a divorcing client to make sure that we are looking within you know the most recent laws of what's going on in the state or the jurisdiction that we're working in but what is common among all marriages is basically figuring out what is the spending what are the separate assets what are the joint assets Mm -hmm. what can be split and once it's split, how are they going to live on that? Because a lot of people don't realize that what was supporting one household is now going to have to support two households. And that may mean that you need to sell some things, downsize, you know, keep your budget a little bit lower than what you were used to in the past. And that's one of the hardest things that I find in these divorces is managing the expectations of what things are going to look like post-divorce financially.
0: Well, and I kind of have uh, one question that's really two for you in regard to that. And going back to my daughter as a metaphor, my daughter can dumb down what algorithms are and how they work in her business for me so that I have a basic understanding. And that's enough for me. And I'm going to guess that if you're working with someone who hasn't got a lot of understanding of finance or and maybe doesn't like I don't have the capacity for algorithms, maybe they don't really have the capacity to really, really dive into it, how do you first introduce them to the concept so that, you know, like I have a basic understanding of what my daughter does for a living. They have a basic understanding of what their finances are and how do you educate them for how to manage that for the future?
1: So what we start with is they have to fill out a statement of net worth to start their divorce proceedings. And so what we have to do is pull together all the information they have as Mm to What is their net worth, which includes everything they own. So houses, cars, jewelry, art, anything tangible, their investment accounts, their savings accounts. We have to look at their liabilities. What debts do they have? Do they have credit card debts? Do they have mortgage debts? Do they have car debts? Have they made loans to other people, right? getting overwhelmed just listening to you. Once they start doing that, they freak out. So what I can do is sit down with them go over their statements. We can pull things off the internet, right? And figure out where things are, how they're titled, what's going on. I hold their hand through the whole thing, but I need to gather the information from them. So we have to work as a team to get onto their laptop or go through their mail and figure out the statements and where everything is. And I help them fill out that statement of net worth. We also have to look at their budget. What are they spending? We take mm-hmm. their credit cards. We go to their bank statements. We see how much money is coming out of the ATM. We also look at what are the automatic payments that are going on every month. You know, you're paying the the guy who cuts your lawn, you're paying the, you know, I, I cut my firm. lawn, but yeah cut your lawn well that's great you know there's lot don't trust in new lines. york that have never seen a lawn you know and they don't have to worry about it yeah but we we go through all of those what are the automatic payments what are the one what are the payments that are going on the credit card how much are you taking out of the atm to mm. pay the housekeeper or to give you know allowance to the kids those kinds of things and i help them put together a spreadsheet now a lot of people have never seen excel done excel you know, we have people here in our firm who are Excel whizzes and can pull the information together very, very quickly, hand it back to the client and say, OK, this is what you're spending in each category. The greatest place to look for that is the year end statements from the credit card companies mm-hmm. because they break it out by category. So they you do, can see and they how do much a pretty good job. Also,
0: it's actually kind of amazing how they break out the category. Right.
1: And, and, you know, how much did you pay, pay in groceries and how much did you pay in services and to get your hair done or, you know, whatever it is. And those can give you sometimes it's eye opening like, wow, I didn't realize I was spending so much on pet care or whatever it is. And you can try and put together a budget for them.
0: You know what they don't tell you? They don't tell you what you're paying on interest. They put that off on the side somewhere where you have to look for it, but yeah.
1: Well, hopefully people, especially now that the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates by a half a percent, and credit card companies will now probably jack theirs up by four or 5%, the best thing to do is to pay off those cards as quickly as possible, because you've got to pay yourself first. But what we do is we pull together all of that information. Where is the debt? Where are the assets? and figure out who belongs to each. So if there's a trust, you may not be part of that trust. You can't claim that as your separate asset. If the house is titled in your soon to be ex's name, you may not be entitled to half the value of that house. So it's very-
0: That's something you work out with the help of the attorney and all that good stuff. So I have a related question on this. It's, it's It's kind of sideways. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. So I was at breakfast with a friend of mine today. Like we do, it's a guy's breakfast because I'm not allowed to go out at night. That's part of my marriage deal. You know, we we like to spend our evenings together is the truth. Um, And we were actually talking, coincidentally talking about our wives and money. And he was telling me that his wife, who's in finance, actually, you know, investment, she's super careful, super tight, you know, um, very meticulous. And he you know, B is very more laissez-faire about money. And I was saying, oh my God, in my marriage, I'm your wife and my wife wife is more like you. So what that tells me is there tend to be kind of two personalities that we have that in common. There tend to be sort of two personalities that you Aviva are dealing with. So how do you deal with the person who's sort of, oh, the money's there, it's all good. And how do you deal with the person who's super tight and constricted and maybe really careful about how they spend their money what are the strengths and weaknesses of both and what do you need to teach them
1: so the ones that are very constricted and are very tight with money they tend to be very organized Mm -hmm. so when they come to me they usually have their own spreadsheets already they can tell me down to the cent what they spend each day week month year and so they're very easy to work with as far as pulling the information together I have the hardest time convincing them once we have a financial plan in place that they are going to have enough money and mm. that they can let off, you know, the, the, the brakes a little bit, put on the accelerator and maybe spend a little more, right? Gotcha. So that,
0: that's generally- and they might even And they're going to need to. Because the fact is that when you're getting divorced, your expense, expenses go up. The, the efficiency of living together is over.
1: Exactly. There's no, there's no more economies of scale there. And the person who is disorganized I have to spend a lot more time with them because generally you have to pull everything together and then you have to get them on a budget and keep them on that budget. And keeping them on that budget is basically having them either hire a money manager or send us information every month, showing me that they're staying within their spending limits. What I sometimes do when we do the investments is we say to them, okay, this is how much you get a month. And we keep it in the account and we transfer it to their checking account each month. And this way they know how much they have to spend during the month. And if they call me up in the middle of the month and say, you know, oh, I've spent through it, well, then, you know, smack the hand and say, you can't keep doing this and try and get them on track. And, you know, I do that with my own kids. You know, the ATM machine's not working, mom. What do you mean it's not working? Well, I'm trying to take out $20. It's not letting me. What's the balance? $14. Okay. Well, there you go. You've overspent. So, you know, that it's, you got to teach the kids, you got to teach the adults. And it's very important to keep people on track, especially if they are constrained by how much they have gotten in their settlement.
0: I love the way you're teaching your kids. You know, I do a lot of couples work also. And one of the things that we, and when we're working on the money part, not that I do what you do, but they're always trying to figure out how, how much, co-mingling of funds should they have? Typically, it's a dual income household and they both get a paycheck. And what they do often is they just slam it all into one joint account. And then they get kind of like, why did you spend money on that? And so the thing that they inevitably work out is that they'll put a percentage of their checks into the joint account and keep a percentage for themselves. And that, that is what sort of keeps them you know, in their spending plan, that is what also keeps them from looking over each other's shoulders and saying, why did you spend that much on bowling or haircut or football tickets or, you know, whatever, you know, it's, it, it right. makes you it put put very the liberating. Off
1: the off the sleeve before you put it in the closet so the person doesn't know how much you actually spent.
0: Right? Well, it, it, but it was sort of goes back to the, the old days when you'd come home with your cash and you'd put $50 for the rent and $20 for food and $10 for you know different socks. You know, it's the same $50 idea.
1: $50 for rent. Where were you living?
0: I actually paid $90 for rent when I got out of college. That's how old I am. But don't tell anyone. And that was in New York City, but it was in Astoria. So how can people find you? You obviously provide tremendous value and huge services. How can people find you?
1: So our website is www.wealthspire, dot com. Directly to me, it's aviva, A-V-I-V-A, dot Pinto, P-I-N-T-O, at wealthspire.com. Or and give those, me a call.
0: Those will be in the notes for that. But I mean, if you um, want to call
1: him, aviva, aviva right now, write it down and just call get it there. right now. Yes. <laughs> 516-297-2795. <laughs> Whoops. Hey, and what do they get? Like do they get a free gift? A pen? They get they, they get my knowledge awesome. and a free consultation. Nice.
0: Oh, that is actually a great offer. Thank you so much. Yeah, we
1: don't charge, we don't charge for financial plans, anything like that. The only way that we make money, we're fiduciaries. And so we try and get the best possible um, investments for our clients. The only way we make money is when we get the settlement at the end and we help them invest the funds. And then it's a percentage of assets.
0: Aviva, I'm going to confess to you that I only just learned what fiduciary actually meant in the last four years. Why don't you explain to our audience why that's important?
1: So a fiduciary is really a consultant that's looking out after your best interest. I don't make money by buying and selling stocks and getting a commission. I don't make money selling any type of product. We don't sell insurance. We don't sell anything that um, a client is going to be purchasing. What we do is we look at the current portfolio or if it's all cash, we look at what is your time horizon? What is your risk tolerance? What is the best investments that are right for you? And then we help purchase those mutual funds, ETFs, individual managers, whatever it is that fits within your um, investment portfolio. So and this a, is a super,
0: super important distinction, right? There are lots of people who manage money and claim to be financial planners. But when you're a fiduciary, you're, it's actually regulated.
1: Correct. And you trust and the
0: government I, or not, it's regulated.
1: Right. And I have to do what's in the best interest of my clients. And it also turns into the best interest for me because if I grow their account, then I'm going to do well, they're going to do well. So we're, we're both on the same side of the table.
0: It's a win-win. Working with a fiduciary, if you're going to work with a financial planner, working with a fiduciary is a must.
1: Absolutely. And you know what we do is we're basically looking out for the client and making sure that they're getting what they need and it's you know it's really and if you, important. Do, and if you don't what happens well well you know I mean what the, I, I don't know that answer because I've always the, the, I've the always consequences I think I believe you, I you lose
0: the the privilege of calling yourself a fiduciary and there might even be some repercussions to you
1: Well, you know, what what we do is we basically are looking to make sure that the client's best interests are served. And, you know, we're here for the client. And there's no conflict of interest. I don't have to, I'm not getting paid to put them into a particular product or service or, you know, ETF or mutual fund or manager. That's not how I'm compensated. I'm compensated by the client. So my whole job is to make sure that the client is getting the best service.
0: I'm guessing Bernie Madoff wasn't a fiduciary. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, all that aside, um, the question I ask everyone at the end of the show, and I must ask you this, is what is the legacy you, Aviva Pinto, want to leave
1: behind? So what I would like to do is make sure that financial literacy is taught everywhere. And I would like to make sure that women specifically, and non-moneyed spouses are empowered to make sure that they know what their money is, where their money is, how it's doing, and not be afraid of it. And if they don't want to get involved with it, that they rely on me to make that happen for them and calm them down and make them feel comfortable that their best interests are being served.
0: Tremendous vision. I love it. I love it. You are a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.